Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mount Olympus. I am Hercules Invictus. My Olympian mission is to promote lifelong personal development, human empowerment, out-of-the-box thinking, creative self-expression, and a dedication of one's unique talents to community service. All of my labors in this lifetime celebrate the hero's journey in myth, legend, spirituality, popular culture, and in daily life. I firmly believe that the human spirit is essentially heroic and always seeking ways to express its innate nobility and greatness, and that a life fully lived, dedicated to actualizing the highest we can conceive, is the noblest expression of human existence. It is great to be back on CERN, and today's adventure is going to be Age of Heroes Optimal Wellness, and this is a special Tenafly Mayor's Wellness Campaign uh, edition. I'm honored to be a resident of Tenafly, which is a borough in Bergen County that is dedicated to enhancing the quality of our lives by promoting health, fitness, and an active lifestyle. Our first guest tonight is Councilperson Jeff Grossman. Greetings and welcome, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing well, Hercules. How about yourself? I'm doing phenomenally well. I've been really excited uh, putting this uh, um, edition together and it continuing. So uh, thank you for helping launch it. My pleasure. Always, always great to be on your show. Um, so, now, I'm looking forward to discussing the concerts and whatever else is on your mind. Well, today the concerts, because we only have a, a brief time for each of our guests, um, but uh, I'm looking forward to the show we're going to do together, which is on history, ancient and modern, and uh, civics and civilization. That's an adventure that I, I've been greatly looking forward to for a while, and I'm glad that that's going to happen uh, very soon. Me too. Anyway, so let, let's get right to the concerts. What, do you, what can I tell you? Um, the concerts are, are, are a very important part of uh, Tenafly's uh, traditions. You know, it's a new tradition, but it's a tradition. Uh, and I know that when I've had uh, more free time, I would continuously go to the concerts, uh, either in uh, um, Hyler Park or in Davis uh, Park. And that, that, that was something I looked forward to. Uh, there was always a wide variety of uh, music uh, to enjoy, and I'm glad that that tradition is continuing. You seem to be one of the guardians of that tradition. Can you let us know about the the, the uh, series overall? All right. So, so first I have to start with there's a committee this time. It used to be the mayor and myself for the last uh, two years, 
But now we have a committee of five people, and I will say that the other four are far more knowledgeable about music than I'll ever be, because we have two musicians, a music critic, and um, a sound engineer. Oh, awesome. they're, they're just all phenomenal, and they've come up with a lot of groups and a lot of ideas. And so one of the things that we've changed, and, and one of the things we wrestled with, I should start with that, is whether or not in this COVID-19 environment to hold any concerts. And we know that we're bringing hundreds of people together. So we we struggled with that back and forth. Are we going to hold them, aren't we? We delayed the start date by about a week from where we were originally going to. We worked out a lot of logistics. We moved where the performers are. The performers used to be in the middle of Hyler Park, which is a nice little park downtown, Tenafly. But we moved the bandstand to nearer to the railroad track so that people could spread out more. And we're requiring everybody to Huh? That's great. That's a that's a good idea. I'm visualizing it as you're describing it. That's an awesome idea. So we, there's a street that's Piermont Road by the train station. We close off that street so people can set up chairs there. They can set up in the park. They can really extend. We have a larger sound system so that people can be further away. We actually have people sitting all the way across the street. Some people have been sitting on the steps at um, Mount Carmel Church. And we require anybody attending has to have a mask on. We understand people are bringing food, they're having water to stay hydrated. Fine, you lower your mask, you put it back up. And and people have been really good uh, the first couple of weeks to make sure that people were honoring this. We had the Tenafi Volunteer Ambulance Corps walking around with extra masks and reminding people for health and safety. And then the last few weeks, we've we've had the police there because there are some people who just don't get that this is for the health and safety of everybody. And if you want to attend, you need a mask. It's just like if you were to attend a concert at a large venue, you're subject to limited what you can bring in. You're subject to a search of whatever you are bringing in. People don't question that. So our requirement for coming in is a mask and people have been good i have to say it's been phenomenal and now that i'm done with the health part we can talk more about some of the specifics on the the groups and whatever else you want now uh that would be awesome uh, why don't you go over the variety of uh, bands that you've had uh, so far and there's uh, um next week as well so uh just take us down a, a guided tour of uh, what people can expect from next year's uh, summer concert series. All right. So in the past, we've actually had Tuesday concerts at Hyler. Thursday concerts have been slightly smaller, more classical up at Davis Johnson. We didn't feel we could do Davis Johnson. So all concerts are at Hyler. And, and our goal has been, to move away from the prior formula, which was a lot of wonderful, I, I have to say, wonderful cover bands um, mm-hmm. doing all different all different styles of cover music, which means they're playing artists who 
everybody knows. Uh, we've got some of that. We started the season with 52nd Street, which is a Billy Joel tribute band. They've been to Tenet Flight many years in a row. They are incredible, and they yes, got us they started. But we've also brought in some totally different groups. Um, for example, we brought in this guy, Keith Kenny, who is a singer-songwriter. He is literally a one-man rock band. He oh, wow. plays. He plays every instrument himself. Uh, he's, he's just so full of energy. He was great. We brought in um, Sessions, which is sort of a cover band, but we don't care because they're, they're all from Tenafly and they're wonderful people. And we just have loved, this is their third year in a row and Sessions rocks. I mean, they, they're just awesome. They have a uh, lead singer, Stacey Esser, who's in town and, um, every one of their musicians, I think, comes from Tenafly. We had, this was really different. We had a group called Anthem, which mm -hmm. is a reggae group. And they're from Connecticut. So we brought a group in from Connecticut for reggae. Everybody had a great time. And they ended the evening with a slightly reggae version of Neil Diamond's Sweet Caroline. <laughs> uh, yeah. We had um, a jazz organ quartet. We had a brass quintet. We had a group that was all vocal, acoustic vocal, uh, called The End of America. While the name sounds ominous, their music is so inspiring. Their messages are great, and their harmonies are, are just so tight. They were wonderful to listen to. And a lot of their music is original, and we were lucky to have them. They normally would be on a national tour. We had um, just had last, last night, yeah, last night, Gotham City Latin Jazz, which has Rich Barada, who lives in Tenafly, but also mm -hmm. featured Bill O'Connell, who's a, an arranger, uh, Vincent Herring, who was awesome on saxophone, uh, Paul Bollenbach on uh, guitar. So it was just a great, great evening. And they were playing jazz style music from um, movies. They actually called it the real deal with R-E-E-L. <laughs> we had James Dean Orchestra, who we've had nine years in a row. They're a big band. They did Sinatra Salute. So these are what we've had, but we have two more weeks to go. So we yeah. have... Next week, next week we have um, the Hearts, who live in Tenafly as well. We're trying to feature. We have such wonderful talent in this town. We're trying to feature them this year. Yes, we do. Uh, uh, Jason, Christina Hart, he plays the piano. She sings. They're doing songs and stories about suburbia. So I think it's more <laughs> cabaret style, but uh, uh -huh. it's going to be stuff that you're going to be humming for weeks. And his piano playing is is amazing, and her voice, she actually sang the anthem at our Memorial Day, and she also did a song tribute at the Juneteenth celebration. Then next Thursday, we have a family night. That's a first for us. It's a bilingual Latin kids bop group uh, called Muna Luna. And that should be fun for the whole family. And mm -hmm. then September 
first, we have Shake, Rattle, and Roll, another Tenafly, uh, Mark Weisner, who's from Tenafly. They actually are uh, part of New York City's dueling pianos that, when it's not pandemic, they play every week in New York at a club, and uh-huh. they play by request. So it's you come on down, you... I don't know how we're going to do it this time. Last year they did paper. I guess this time it'll be people will text it. You can throw anything from, let's say, the 60s, even the 50s, through today. And on the spot, the two piano players, and last year they also had a drummer, I assume, coming back, they will just start playing it, which is that pretty is amazing awesome. if you think about it. two pianos uh dueling it out for for a song and then they'll start singing it so people should come to that concert with ideas of what music they want to hear and then we're ending and and i'm using ending loosely here we're ending september 3rd with shakespeare in the park we had them last year it's a theater group out of englewood black box theater and they do shakespeare with a modern twist so for Mm -hmm. example they're going to be performing The Tempest, and it's basically Shakespeare meets James Bond style. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, they keep all the original words, but they put new interactions with the old Shakespearean words. And and the reason I say loosely is this has been such a tremendous need for people to get out and get mm-hmm. some air and socially interact at a distance and it's gone so smoothly we are we are talking about coming up with maybe another week or so of concerts or coming up with maybe some sort of a saturday music festival sometime in the fall we that that's not an not even in sand yet let alone concrete but we are considering it because we've had our smallest turnout has been probably 150. Our biggest turnout, probably well over 350. So people are coming out for these. They're enjoying it. The feedback's been wonderful. We've also, it has not worked perfectly, but we've added an FM transmitter so that you, if you don't want to get into the park, you can sit in your car within a block or two and listen on your radio. We've had set to 88.1 on the dial. So people have been able to, yes, we're trying to do some high tech to allow people to listen. My goal is next year to be able to boost the signal a little more and get the antenna higher so that you should be able to listen within, let's say, a quarter to half mile. So maybe some of the restaurants can put on radios on all the people can then eat and listen to the music live. Anyway, I've gone through that's the basic of the lineup, so uh, um, it's, it's just been great. Yeah, it sounds great. Not only have you uh, kept the tradition, but you've made it more Tenafly-focused, and you've expanded uh, on it and then plan on continuing it. So that that is incredible, uh, and uh, it gives me and uh, others uh, a chance to experience uh, this new version of our uh, summer concert series and also to uh, uh, share ideas that we might have. Like you've sparked ideas in my head as you were talking. So um, I'll be 
thinking about them and presenting them to you in the very near future? Well, well, I do encourage anybody who wants to hear a particular genre of music or a particular group they know of that might even be local or doesn't have to be local, uh, they should send me an email. My town email is jgrossman at tenafly.net, and we're, we're already getting requests from groups to uh, listen that, to them for next summer. That is fantastic, and I, I look forward to uh, even more variety because it sounds like, uh, like you said, uh, you ventured into areas that uh, the summer concert series hasn't uh, before. Now, um, this came up in our recent conversation, but I've heard from others, too, uh, about the possibility of a jazz festival in Tenafly. Is that something that is also in sand at this point? Yes. So when I say music festival, since we're still exploring the idea, it could be more general music. It could be a jazz festival. Uh, one of the guys, Rich Barada, who's on our committee, who performed last night with Gotham City Latin Jazz, and he's got a lot of contacts. I have a number of friends who actually play jazz professionally and, and producers who do record labels with jazz. So I think we could get four or five groups. That's not the hard part. The hard part is just the logistics and figuring out how to make it work safely. Safety has been our, our top concern yeah. and our top priority. I could imagine something uh, happening in uh, the Roosevelt Commons. That's a nice area to have uh, an event also. So we, we've thought about that. Some of that is board property, so we would have to work it out with the Board of Education to use some of the space. It's also a question of where we can get electricity because we are trying to give these groups louder sound and a bigger voice so that people can spread out further. We don't want it unmiked uh, so that people have to crowd in. And so I was actually thinking if there was a way, and I'm not sure there is, to set up, we use a showmobile that we share with Oradell. If there was a way to set that up um, in front of the middle school auditorium outside, there's a huge field in front of that. So that would be something we're looking at. Right now, they're redoing where the track is, Geisinger Field, so I know we can't do anything there. So we're, we're look, we're exploring, and again, Jay Grossman at tenafly.net. Your <laughs> suggestions, anyone suggested, I, I love it. I love the feedback. People have been emailing me with groups. Uh, we even had someone who's an agent for a number of groups who reached out to me. My only disappointment this summer, there was one band we were supposed to have before COVID. We had identified them, gotten them to agree, and then COVID messed it up. They're from Ireland. They're sisters mm. from Ireland called Screaming Orphans. And I, I have listened, and I encourage everyone to check them out on YouTube. They're not traditional Celtic sound. They're they're kind of like three women who are U2 type of sound, where you can hear the Irish sound in there, but it's more rock, and they they just weren't able to get here. And I think. 
they were disappointed, we were disappointed. But we're getting we're even though I've talked about the Tamplight groups, you know, mm-hmm. we are getting groups like that. We End of America tours nationally. They're from three different states. The guys in that group. Um, as I said, we had reggae group Anthem that's from Connecticut. We're we're trying to also get groups that if they're normally playing concerts in Philadelphia and New York, we're hoping that during the week, this would be somewhere where instead of sitting in a hotel room at night, not earning money, they could come, they could try out new stuff. So we could get bigger touring groups stopping here is our ultimate goal. That would be fantastic. And it sounds like you're well on the way to uh, doing that. I hope so. There, there's only a few towns this summer. I know Ridgewood's one, Woodbridge further south is another. Only a few towns decide to go ahead with summer concerts. So these groups also, I have to tell you, this is the real touching part, the end of all these concerts. The groups have come up. I've gone up to thank them for such a great performance, and every one of them is, no, thank you for letting us perform. We have not been able to perform in front of live people since February. And, and you know, a good musician feeds off of their audience. They Yes. Performing in your, your backyard or your garage, practicing and putting it on YouTube is one thing, or live streaming it on Facebook or wherever. But, but being in front of a crowd, and you could just see some of these groups are just so so thrilled just to be performing because as I say it's been five months since some of them six months since some of them have performed so it's great that they have the opportunity to perform in uh, Tenafly that is phenomenal that you guys can offer that yeah it, it really is and I should I don't like to, to promote other towns too much but I, I will <laughs> say um, Englewood Library next month I I think it's on Wednesdays. I'm not sure, but people should check. They're going to be having uh, jazz, and I think they're also doing the Shakespeare group all through September, and I don't think they're competing with us any night. So that's why I can mention them. So if people want more jazz and, and more Shakespeare, and I'm looking, the group doing Shakespeare really, really wants a second performance date, so we're looking to give them something. That sounds incredible. So, uh, like you were saying, they take the Shakespeare plays and give them a, a, a modern uh, flavor and uh, focus, and uh, that sounds incredible. I'm trying to imagine that as you described it before, especially the spy theme. Uh, I guess we'll have to so, uh, come see it, even for a little while, but I, I need to get there. You have to come see it to, to understand it. But but as an example, last year they were doing Othello, and one of the lines in Othello is, Hark, who calls, which is a, used actually probably in a lot of Shakespeare plays. But when the uh-huh. guy said it, he had pulled out a cell phone and was, you know, talking into the cell phone, Hark, who calls. <laughs> And there was another line about you, you doth volley very well or something like that. And they were pretending to play tennis while they were doing this line. So it's, it's 
really very funny, very modern. I, they don't wear the traditional Shakespeare. They wear modern garb and put a very modern context in it. Thank you so yeah. very much, Jeff, for helping launch uh, this uh, um, Tenafly Mayor's Wellness Campaign edition of our show. And uh, you're going to be on a lot, I'm warning you. <laughs> so thank you so very much. And again, can you is share it, your contact info? I'm sorry? Uh, can you share your that contact was... info? I absolutely. Again, it's J Grossman, G-R-O-S-S-M-A-N, at tenafly.net. And we look forward to suggestions. Uh, whatever I get, I forward to the committee. We discuss it. And and they are they are a great crew to work with. Um, I should give shout outs to Jason Hart, Olona Wojtowski, Rich Barada, and Joe Halasian, who are all on that Tenafly Presents committee. They they just have been tireless in tracking down groups and working on this. So I salute great them. Group and an awesome job. They they have. And and you are doing an awesome job with this show, and thank you for launching a, a wellness campaign show. That's why wellness is really at the heart of all these concerts. We wanted everybody to be safe and have a good time. And that is an awesome thought uh, to leave our conversation today. Thanks again, Jeff. I'll talk to you very soon. All right. Thank you, Hercules. Have a good evening and a good weekend to all your listeners on the podcast. And to you as well. We're back on CERN, the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, and uh, they've been very kind in letting us continue our Age of Heroes Optimal Wellness uh, quest uh, here. Uh, I was looking through the uh, music, and I found the intro to the Elysium Project. So before we go to our next guest, I'm going to share that uh, with you. Golden Fleece has been won, and now our true work begins. Welcome to the Elysium Project. In the Olympian tradition, Elysium is the highest heaven the human mind can conceive. Join Hercules on his latest and greatest quest, making the life we live and the earth we share a paradise for all. bold statement true, yet if you're going to have goals, they might as well be bold ones. Uh, our next guest is Keith Gold, who is the owner and CEO of Team Makers of Northern New Jersey. Um, I worked with and worked for Keith. He's an awesome individual with a great uh, vision, uh, and he's able to translate growth in games for people of various ages, uh, from children to uh, seniors. Greeting and welcome, Keith. How are you? Good evening, Hercules, and to all your listeners, um, hope we can talk and do some fun things tonight. 
Yes, and uh, I'm going to start by asking you to give us uh, a, a tour, as I asked Jeff to give us a tour of uh, what's going on musically, with all the enrichment and empowerment uh, programs that you have under your umbrella, and, and they're really wide-reaching and profound applications. Well, thanks, Hercules. So, yeah, I mean, until the pandemic, we had reached a, about 80,000 children um, so far in our eight years of being in business. Wow. Um, so that's been pretty cool. And then we also do um, adult and corporate. Special needs has become a growing area. And um, and and um, adults with disabilities. So it's been a pretty um, interesting ride building a company from nothing just out of our own brains. Um, and as you know, because you worked with us, that all the people that work with us share in that vision. Because, you know, if you have a lead or an interest or a special skill set, like you, you brought us about superheroes, and then we added it and made it part of our mix. And and for the little children, that's become a pretty popular program. Yes, they love it. And uh, some of them have an extensive knowledge, uh, much more extensive than my own in some cases. And sometimes they don't know very much about superheroes uh, per se, uh, but they have the general idea. So uh, both uh, um, perspectives allow them to unleash their creativity. And uh, uh, most of the kids, after being their favorite superheroes, opt to be their own. You know, they make up their own superhero, and that's what they become, which is awesome. Yeah, so as a, so just as an overview of what we do, you know, we do team building, problem solving, leadership, um, all through interactive activities. For, so, so no matter what um, track or program we offer, which we now have over 13, 13 or 14, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, each of them are all participant-based and they are directed so that the learning and the interactivity is all part of the activity, so that there's not a lecture time, there's nobody talking at them, at the children or the adults. There is maybe a little bit of a lesson and a few points to be made about what the day is going to be like or the hour is going to be like or the session is going to be like. But after that, it's all about the participants. And, you know, part with you being – you know, the head of the wellness campaign, I think it's very important that programs like ours, doesn't have to be mine, um, are get, get ingrained in communities because too many of these other programs, it's all about the person doing the talking and showing their knowledge instead of really having the children or the adults participate in the process and become the focus of the program so that, and that, so that they're always doing, they're always active, they're always busy, they're always involved. Yes, that's very true. And one of the things that impressed me uh, was the versatility of uh, the materials and how they can be used in different uh, contexts and for different reasons. And uh, one of the things that stayed in my memory the most was when you used the same uh, type of games that are there for kids with uh, skeptical adults uh, in a leadership program. 
And even though the game was, you know, fairly much uh, the same, you know, with slight adaptations, what the adults got out of it was profound and it stuck with them. You could see that in the course of a couple of hours, they got it and that it was something that they not only learned and experienced, but could apply. Yeah, we're very much into, you know, there's only so much equipment that you can have. I mean, I have, I think, over now over 250 different games at my house and programs. And they, they run the gamut from, as we touched on for little ones, a superheroes program that you helped me develop. So thank you, you and Rob. Uh, I'm honored. All, all the way up through, you know, adult level programs like leadership. And, you know, there's my, and then one of the things that happens is as schools and other people ask me for things and say, can you develop? You know, we've added Minecraft, which is, you know, kids are on the computers all day long. So instead mm-hmm. of playing Minecraft on a computer, they actually live the Minecraft game. Or the same thing for Pokemon Go. You know, I played Pokemon Go with my kids as they were growing up. And now we've adapted it with actually a lot of children's input into an activity-based program where the kids play the characters throughout the hour each day. And they're loving it. It's just a wicked fun program. Um, you know, uh, yeah, the, there's a lot of flexibility, too, in that, uh, in that the same materials can be used by different people in different ways uh, to address the need of specific uh, participants, uh, regardless which uh, category they uh, f- fall into. Right. So a lot of the games cross over. And we learn how to adapt them. And ironically enough, part of what makes us unique is that the kids help us and the adults who play them help us adapt them. They're involved, you know, and, and, and give thoughts. And then and, and you just see the way they play them. Nothing is overly locked in. We also do sports programs. But, again, sports in the sense of um, – I'll give you an example. I once had a group of really good soccer players. And the mother signed their kids up for what's called extreme sports. And okay. we were playing soccer. And the, after the first day, the mother called up and said, oh, this is not serious enough for my son and, and his friend. They need to be in a much more aggressive soccer program. And I said, okay, can you do me a favor before you pull him out? Ask your son what he thought of today. And then get back to me. And if you really feel it's important that he be in a much more serious program, I get it. And I'll gladly refund your money. She calls me up later that night and said, my son has never, A, had so much fun, and B, touched the soccer ball so many times as he did with what we did with them, as opposed to what they get when they go to a soccer coach who does a lot of talking, they do a lot of skill drills, but they don't all have a ball in their hand the whole time. Some do, not belittling any programs, but I'm just saying a lot of times, especially when they're playing games, it's all about the best athletes dominating. So what we do is when we put out three, four soccer balls at any one time, so the best kids <laughs> tend to square off on each other, and then the other kids tend to square off on each other, and everybody, you know, in an hour, probably kicks the ball a thousand times, which they never get to do in a normal soccer game. 
Now, you're talking about variations to sports, and you do do sport uh, uh, groups, and people are familiar with sports and their role in the wellness of uh, a community, but you do more than uh, sports. How would those type of games contribute to uh, uh, wellness? So when you think about we have a program called Fun with Math and Science. We have another one um, that is all about engineering. And instead of them learning the straight line chalkboard and they do a lot of pencil and paper programs, and if you've ever watched any of these classes online, you know, over two or three hours, they might actually only do something for an hour of it out of the two or three hours. Whereas we do a lesson for 10 minutes, get the point across, and then we ingrain the lesson while the kids are actively doing stuff. When it's face-to-face, they're doing it in groups, so they're actively participating, they're actively building, they're actively doing, they're actively crafting, all within the concept of the engineering process or the scientific method, and they're following protocols. But they're doing it. They're what we used to call and what we still do call learn by doing as opposed to learn by being told what to do. That is a profound difference uh, uh, because people resist uh, being told what to do, whereas uh, if something comes from within an individual, uh, they don't resist it as much. So they're more apt to accept and and try it. Um, it, So interestingly enough, this summer, a grant was written for us by the State Board of Ed, and we were hired to work with kids in um, a Title I school for the summer, who were in summer school, and help them work through anti-bullying concepts, um, being upset, how to get over being mad, how to deal with children that are unruly, how to deal with children that get in your face. And so while we're not a psychological program, all the things that we do are there for the mental wellness of children. Um, this summer as well, I was given a grant for this for the city of the Bronx, New York City, for, with, through the Board of Health. And we did seven weeks, four days a week of programming with wow. children under those same kind of themes. And yet we were playing games the whole time. But mixed in through the games was messaging. And this could be simplified or complicated. As I said before, I've seen this in action with professional adults, but I've also seen it in pre-K as well. <coughs> and most people don't think of you know, applying these to such a wide group of people. And you're, you might be doing some things for the seniors in Tenafly during this pandemic. Uh, so that that's fascinating. Any ideas? Yes. Well, so that was you, you, you segued into a very interesting point that we should talk about for a minute, and that's the pandemic and what's been happening and what schools are doing. You know, as some schools are going face to face and allowing children in, they're not allowing outside groups to attend the school. So even if a school is opening, they're still not having clubs or specialized programming come in the schools. So, you know, the music people, the um, the special tutors that come in, 
we do actually in schools an engineering and a science program because it's activity project-based. It's very different than their own teachers, what they tend to do, uh, obviously after school clubs. So we've switched to a Zoom-based program for whenever schools want it and do it. And of course, that's been a very challenging to try to figure out how to make it still fun and engaging where the children are not directly interacting with each other and or the adults. Um, and that has really, you know, because people look at us and say, well, you're a team building, problem solving, critical thinking company. So how do you run programming when it's only online? So we've paired the programs a little bit, but we still do engineering. We do math and science. We do Pokemon. We do need for speed. We do things where the kids, kids and the adults can actively touch and do not each other, but physical things um, that they can collect in their house. So you talked about how to make it simplified. So for example, if we're doing an engineering program now online with um, children and or adults, and, one of, and you, you asked me about Tenify um, Senior Center, one of the things with your guidance I just proposed to them is that we do some free workshops for seniors uh, whether in person at distance or online and we basically give them a very modified list of products that they need to collect to be able to do something so for example one of our projects might be to build a lava lamp and that's really cool and it's a lot of fun yeah. and when you think about it how expensive might that be to collect all the materials for lava lamp so I tasked my people um, to come up with a way to do lava lamp for less than a dollar, and wow. we figured it out. <laughs> so you get a and I don't want to go through all the components no, of what of course it not. takes to make a lava lamp, but uh -huh. for less than a dollar we can make lava lamps now with the kids. And what we do is we send them and we email. And actually, I, I was one of the things I asked. I offered to kind of by nature center because the lava lamp is very soothing and can be a lot of fun. And it's fun. Mm -hmm. You get to build it yourself. You get to, they get to make these, which is really cool. They don't yes. get given them. They get to actually make craft their own and then use it and run it and, 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 and play with it and do what they want with it. Um, so, you know, we'll give them a list of materials that they need to collect. And basically, at any one time, most of the materials are materials they probably will have around the house. And then they may need to supplement materials from the dollar store. So if we're going to build an electromagnet magnet, for example, you know you need wires, you need um, batteries, you need a nail or some kind of metal conductor. But most, and you need just things to pick up. But you know that's not. You know we can simplify that so that you're not nailing it. You're not putting it into a wood board or a wood base. You can still make an electromagnet just having fun using the components and learning a lot about electricity, conductivity, magnetism, and things like that, and, and building one yourself. Mm -hmm. Who thought? One of the, the things that I've also seen you do in terms of uh, leadership is uh, to give people uh, problems to solve. I'm thinking specifically about the uh, the balancing of the the cube um, in a bucket. 
um, and watching how leadership starts emerging uh, in the group and how cooperation uh, develops uh, and how without a lot of uh, word cues, uh, you're able to, to, to basically see who's a good leader and who might need to work on leadership, um, how teams are formed and so on. And then uh, in the digestion part, you know, where there is talking, uh, your processes so that people realize what they've done and what they've learned. Yeah, so the reality is we have a series of rules for how we run a program, and then we have a series of um, outcomes we're looking for, for from, from the participants, whether it's children or adults. So there's four major messages, respect, and respect means, you know, respect for yourself, respect for each other, and respect for the person running the program with you so that learn how to, to listen carefully, listen respectfully, speak respectfully, and we have basically a simple rule. If somebody's speaking, nobody else is speaking back or speaking at the same time. And if a child is speaking or a participant speaking, then we're quiet, and we respectfully listen to them as well. I mean, we, respect goes both ways. And, then there's, and, of course, with the pandemic, a big thing that I worked on with the children this summer um, is and with the teachers that I trained is respect with their bodies, is being careful with how they get permission and the way they go near other people and, you know, making decisions and appropriate decisions. Because, you know, you may be, and I know you're not, but let's just use you as an example as a guinea pig. Okay. You may, be more, you may be more permissive in your family and the way you treat and behave yourself um, around town and, and the way you do things. You know, Jeff was on earlier and giving his set of rules by what the town has decided. But personally, mm -hmm. different people have different, have different sets of comfort levels, um, whereas I might be very, very restrictive still. Well, you know, before you can walk up to me and be close to me because you don't really aren't worried, is you need to make sure you have permission from me that that's okay too and we talk a lot about learning each other's space and comfort zones with space um if you're working with children with autism and other things you know i we've learned that over the years anyway but ironically enough so much of that now translates to the pandemic and how we treat each other it's kind of an interesting Very true. change And those are important things to learn, uh, whether like and, and to learn them non, uh, you know, through activity and non-verbally with someone telling you what to do, what not to do, is a phenomenal and a powerful way of learning, digesting, and retaining, um, you know, that uh, particular information. Right. So there's respect. We said four things, so I'll go over them. There's respect, and we talk about the okay. context of respect. There's teamwork. Because how they work together, how they cooperate, how they participate together. There's team spirit, which to us is a collective meaning of how they not just participate together, but how they treat each other and how they treat the other team and how they speak and behave amongst each other. And then the last one, which is what you've been saying, is leadership. And that is another aspect altogether, because you could be a great teammate 
but not a very good leader. You know, one of the things that we notice often with, with especially in participative activities, is that if you've got six children or six participants on your team, and one of them is not very good at it, and you notice that, and they kind of set a step aside from the activity because, you know, you're not giving them any attention or the team's kind of like raced on without them, you know, collectively. Are you really being good teammates and are you being a good leader when it's okay to allow children or, or other participants from your group not to be involved? You know, is that really the behavior we're trying to engender with each other? Um, mm-hmm. And I, I accept the fact that sometimes that happens because it does happen, especially if a child might pull themselves out, especially if they're shy or they kind of feel like they've been ignored through the activity. But, you know, does a good leader allow that to happen, or does a good leader encourage that person to participate? And win, lose, or draw, the team wins because the whole team helps make the decision, as opposed to, well, only the best athletes played that game. Very powerfully said, and that that's a very valid thing to uh, contemplate uh, as uh, any society, be it local or, or, or non-local, examines its uh, values. What type of spirit do we want to foster um, in our children and in uh, people as they compete? Yeah, we are not a – our company, and as you've learned, we are not a – everybody gets a badge for participating type of company, there is winning and losing because we have winners of games or activities and and teams that don't win. We just don't highlight the negative behavior, the negative behavior or the negative actions. We just basically more cheer for winning and talk about proper behaviors that make everybody feel like, okay, even though I didn't win, I might win the next game or I might be able to do better. And as you said earlier, our debrief time after every activity is a chance for the teams to talk about what happened and why and how they could do better. And this is a great chance for our facilitators, the people that run our program, to listen carefully and then kind of guide the discussion without telling them what to do. Because you said it earlier, we very much believe in the children or the participants figuring out what's going on instead of us having to tell them what to do. So we do it everything through question and answer rather than through talking or telling. I've worked with you, so you know, basically I'm sold already. I, I see what the results <laughs> is happening on people of all ages. Uh, and I also see how these uh, type of programs are important for our community's uh, wellness. Uh, and in fact, uh, I also come from a gaming background, and uh, I've been running uh, like role-playing game or interactive storytelling type games uh, in libraries and uh, um, other places like homeless shelters and so on for years. So I know how powerful gaming is in, in game theory uh, toward uh, wellness. And it fosters uh, um, out-of-the-box thinking, uh, creativity, as well as uh, all the things we've touched upon. So we're going to be revisiting this talk quite a lot in the future. But what is your uh, vision 
for um, these type of activities in the wellness of our community? And let's pick Tenafly specifically, since we're both in Tenafly. So, you know, what I want to do, and like I said, I'm willing to do some free activities as well um, to get people kind of participative, to get them into it. Um, and since the schools are not offering clubs right now, um, you know, I've reached out to other departments to just say, do you want to work together? Don't worry about the pricing. Let's just try to do good things in the community. But it's not just physical activity. As we're kind of talking about, it's also mental well-being. Right now, with everybody being cooped up and everybody being tense, and I'm sure a lot of family dynamics have, you know, a lot more tension going on and a lot more maybe argumentative behavior is happening in the household because people are on top of each other that haven't been on top of each other. I know in my own house, you know, my two grown sons are living with us right now um, because the one who's a senior in college, you know, has not, is not being able to go back to college for a senior year right. for the fall, right? It's, it's in-house. So we've had to carve out space in our house. We've had to carve out activities and shared behaviors to make sure that, you know, he doesn't feel like mom and dad are on top of him or that we're intruding or we're intrusive. So he's created space in the house that's his space for his classes, for where he does his work, where he does his Zoom call, where he listens to his lectures, where he participates with the other students, and where he can have quiet time and chill time as well so he doesn't feel like, you know, we're always on top of each other. Well, that's a big family dynamic right now. Whether you have a big house, a little house, it doesn't matter because you have just the stressors of family and your friends and not being able to see them. And then when you do see them, as we just talked about, what are the rules that they're living by and behaving by? And how do I make sure that, you know, we're still able to be friends and, and, and do things together to the level that we're both comfortable. And there's a lot of mental wellness going on when you're doing activities and playing games far beyond just playing of a game. That's a powerful point to, to leave today's conversation on, and it gives everybody something to really think about to expand the way they look at things. Uh, Keith, uh, you're welcome to come on anytime you like, and I will have you back on again. Um, and uh, I'm going to rely on your insights for the Tenafly Mayor's Wellness Campaign. Uh, thank you so very much. Before you go, can you share how people can contact you? So... Um... 201-500-8076 is our phone number, but um, Keith, which is my name, K-E-I-T-H, at TeamMakersNJ.com is the email, or you can go on the TeamMakers website, which is, we've been told, very extensive compared to other companies of our ilk. Uh, with lots of information, lots of detail, no pricing, because as I said earlier, pricing isn't important, especially in this time. We want people to be engaged. We want to be able to offer programming that people can participate in and be a part of, and we'll worry about how to monetize that down the road. We don't really care. Okay? I hope that's helpful. That's phenomenally helpful. Thank you so much, Keith. Um, have and an awesome day, and I'll talk to you soon.
and blessings on you and your family. Good night. And to you and yours as well. Uh, we're going to take a brief, brief mid-show break. We're going to listen to Bone Poet Orchestra's Evolve, uh, which I used to play a lot when I was on CERN uh, last time, and then we'll be back.
Hercules Invictus, and this is the special Tenafly Mayor's Wellness Campaign edition of our adventure. Um, we all wear many hats in life, uh, and uh, we're better wearing some hats than others, but I've never met an individual that wears so many hats and does what the hats demand so effectively as the legendary Christine Dowler Everon who is, among other things, the Rotary President of the Tenafly Rotary. Greetings and welcome, Christine. Thank you. For there for a second there, I thought somebody else was speaking. <laughs> Very <laughs> no, nice. Thank you. It's you. And uh, as you know, uh, I don't belong to very many things, but I belong to the Tenafly Rotary. And uh, it is an amazing club full of amazing people uh, with uh, a lot of creativity and quirkiness uh, who are all dedicated to doing the best thing for not only Tenafly, but the world at large. So uh, um, I am very uh, happy that you are now the president. Well, thank you. I thought today that what we might do is go back over a little bit of history of Rotary and okay. then perhaps end up with some hope for how COVID will be playing out and we will win. Sounds, that sounds great. good. That sounds phenomenal. Okay. Then you gave away the part of my punchline, which was, do you know what those blue and gold ship wheels are that are on signs that are planted on towns all over the world? But if you're a member of the organization, you better know what those signs are. The sign of the Rotary is was uh-huh. based on or was found – Rotary was founded in 1915, a couple of business – um, owners got together and they decided they wanted to do something philanthropic and that just making money wasn't enough. And their idea spread at the moment. There are rotary clubs in more countries than the U.S. And they've got, through the years done many, many philanthropic pro- projects. Their biggest one is something they took up 30 years ago, which was eradicating polio, another virus. Mm-hmm. And just in case your listeners don't know or don't remember, polio was a disease that ravaged countries around the world. It was spread in water, and it usually either killed or crippled people, quite often children. Um, people had to live in 
iron lungs that were that era's ventilators for months. Mm -hmm. They were going to survive, sometimes up to a year. And if they did survive, they quite often were crippled. So 30 years ago, Rotary decided to take the vaccine that that had been developed and to develop a program with some others to eradicate the virus polio. And two years ago, we had it down to three cases in the world. Unfortunately, with COVID and a, one of the places where it is is in Afghanistan, which presents some mm-hmm. challenges, we're now up to, a minute, I wrote this number down, 210 cases. Mm. But this was a disease that was all around the world. Yes. And you might say, that's really nice, but they got rid of smallpox already. I knew that. You're, at best, you can go running around screaming, we're number two when we get rid of polio. Why am I talking about this today when we're being hit by this horrible COVID virus? And the timing on this is phenomenal. We haven't gotten rid of polio yet. So this means that all around the world, there is a distribution network and a network for giving people inoculations against polio. One of the huge challenges after developing a vaccine, well, how, how will we mm-hmm. get that vaccine that has to be produced, somebody else's problem, Bill Gates, who also was very instrumental in getting rid of polio. Um, so we are sitting around with tons and tons, millions and millions and millions of vaccine doses, how are we going to get it around the world? Has this bothered you, Hercules? Oh, yeah. uh, A lot of what's going on uh, bothers me uh, because it it seems like not only are we regressing in some ways as a a global, like globally, uh, but also that we're not learning from our past, not only mistakes, but accomplishments. Uh, we're not moving forward with things that we've already learned and paid a high price uh, for learning. So, yes, uh, I, I'm very well, disturbed by what's going on. This part of it should be in much better shape. Since we haven't eradicated polio, all around the world, pediatricians, nurses, volunteers are giving people or kids specifically vaccinations. That's the network that we're going to need when a COVID vaccination is developed and produced. And we don't have to spend 30 years developing it. It's there. So wow. That's my I good news. That. that is yeah, awesome I, 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 That is one of the reasons why you support global networks like Rotary so that when you have an incredible emergency like the one today that is attacking the entire world, we're already in position to fight COVID. So that that is incredible news, uh, and uh, uh, thank you for opening my eyes to that. I, I did not think things through to come to that conclusion, but it's right there in front of my face. And there, of course, there are difficulties. Any vaccine that is developed. Apparently, and I didn't know this before, works better in some age groups than others. For instance, 
some vaccines work better for seniors, some work better for children, some work better, better on middle-aged. Our vaccine network is mostly aimed at children. But all, if it turns out that you want to get the you want to vaccinate the parents or you want to vaccinate the seniors, mm-hmm. all those children have parents and they have grandparents. So it'll be easy to they'll know where the um, vaccination point is because their children were, were vaccinated. So there'll be some time, some delay uh, to figure out once the vaccine is developed, once it's been tested and deemed to not cause any danger to people, and then when it's been tested to be effective and they determine which group it's effective against, they then have to plan how they're going to distribute it and to whom. The distribution network is in place. That's, that's, my, new, that's my big news for today. That is incredibly uh, big news, and uh, it, uh, it it eases my mind uh, quite a bit. The fact that this uh, um, this infrastructure is already there, so that when uh, we are at a later point in finding a cure uh, for uh, coronavirus um, nineteen, that uh, we can quickly using this network. Uh, um, inject people and uh, give them the vaccine so that uh, we can beat this. And it'll, it too, hopefully will only be a couple of cases uh, uh, here and there. That's what we're hoping. I mean, the, the, the dose of reality is 30 years. We've been flirting in single and double digits, now triple digits for the last, I think four or five years, maybe in getting rid of polio. And we think it's it's gone, and all of a sudden it crops up in the next town over. And those three cases turned into 57, which this year turned into 210, um, which is just sad because we were so close. But once we've gotten rid of that last case, um, I'm told that it will not survive in the wild. We should be oh, done oh. with polio, which means we might be dismantling the um, virus administration network, unless they are busy with COVID for the next 30 years. Which I'm hoping that that doesn't uh, happen. Now, both Jeff Grossman and Keith uh, Gold, our earlier guests, uh, touched uh, briefly upon the, uh, the issue with, uh, with masks and uh, respecting other people um, during the pandemic. Now, the Rotary has a code of behavior in its four-way test. Uh, and of the things we say, think, say, and do, is it the truth? Is it fair to all concerned? Will it build goodwill and better friendships? And will it be beneficial to all concerned? And that, I feel, whether one is a Rotarian or not, is an excellent credo to be living by uh, in these troubling times. Thank you. That's what that was the the thing that drew me to to Rotary initially was that credo, and I am very honored to be part of this organization. And they have done amazing things, and it's completely a grassroots organization. Um, the local clubs are the primary drivers. They do have a national and an international structure. But they have what I consider to be one of the most interesting fundraising models I've ever come across. 
which is they take the money that they raise, whether it be for or most, given mostly to the Rotary Foundation, um, although they also have targeted fundraising for things like polio and polio plus. But they take the money that they raise, they live off the interest for three years, and then half goes back to the community that donated the money for community projects, and half goes to international projects that need help. So in essence, they're turning around 100% of the money to charitable causes. Th- that is a very uh, incredible way of uh, funding themselves. Um, and the Rotary does things not only internationally and nationally, but it does things locally too. I know that locally the, the Rotary is one of the major forces behind the Northern Valley uh, Greenway uh, project. Yes, our club started that, or I shouldn't say started that. Over the last 20 years, many people have wanted to have a Northern Valley Greenway, to have a rail to trail going from Tenafly North to the New York State border up in Northvale. And we were fortunate to contact people at the, at the right time and get CSX, the current owner, to say that they had some interest in converting this line that is orphaned, that really can't be used at the moment, into a rail trail. And we've been working on this for the last three and a half, four years. We were right before COVID lockdown started, we had initiated an ambassador program where we were asking people to give cottage parties and invite maybe your friends and neighbors into your home and give a brief presentation on what, where the Northern Valley Greenway was and what was going on and what was planned. Unfortunately, that's all on hold at the moment. Mm, <laughs> We're now just yeah. walking illegally down the Greenway. Or down the tracks, I should say. We're not a Greenway yet. Why is it illegal to walk on the, the, the tracks, if I may ask? Well, it's private property. CSX is a private business. And at least theoretically, they don't want anybody tripping on the track and suing them, as well you can understand. Yes. Um, But the tracks and the the strip of grass next to them is very nice and flat. And it's, what's it called, an attractive nuisance where people go there to get in trouble? I don't know. It's very attractive (laughs) as people are going out to walk. And it's just unfortunate that we didn't get this idea started three years earlier and maybe have some kind of walkway there and bicycle path there already. But the timing was right three years ago. And how how else does uh, the Rotary contribute to uh, Tenafly's wellness? We do a lot in education. Um, Rotary is very committed to high-quality education in Tenafly. We start our Rotary year by honoring the teachers that are new staff to Tenafly school system. Um, We take them to a lunch. This year, we plan to do it. The exact details are a bit up in the air because nobody wants to be responsible for a Tenafly teacher hotspot. So we will probably spread out blankets on the field or something um, and have box lunches together. And each year they introduce 
Yeah, they introduce each new teacher, and we get to hear all the activities and strengths of all the new staff. It's very exciting. I know I've been to a um, few of those. I like how they uh, recognize each uh, individual teacher and the, their background and how it led them to teaching in Tenafly. That I've never uh, experienced anything like that before, and it, it, it's, a, it's a very great thing to acknowledge our educators. I, I think so. Then we, we generally, in October or so, but we actually had to do it in August this year, we give dictionaries to all the third graders in, in Tenafly school system. Um, over the years, we've saying, don't they use cell phones and can't they look on Google the spelling of things? But teachers are very emphatic that young children need tactile stimulation, that they need to have a dictionary, that they turn to the letters to, la to learn sequencing and sorting and Rotary is proud to help with that by donating dictionaries. And we then move through the year. Um, we do some lighthearted help with the Penafly Educational Foundation, and our volunteers go out and hand out waters to the runners in their fundraiser, which is a lot of fun. Uh, we generally work with the Boy Scout troop. Speaking of the Boy Scout troop, we have another new exciting project this year in Tennessee. Okay. Um, we are working with the two Boy Scout troops in town, Troop 86 and Troop 25. One is at Mount Carmel, one's up at the Greek Church. And they are pu pulling up invasive species at the Tenafly Nature Center. And they are competing against each other. The Rotary is weighing the bags and will declare a winner. The first oh, is awesome. Troop 86 is pulling weeds this weekend, and Troop 25 will be pulling weeds next weekend. And once we have the hang of how this works out, we will invite the public to join us in, in a very socially distant way. You'll take a garbage bag and a picture of the invasive, the single invasive weed that you are looking for, and you uh -huh. will go along a designated trail and pull up anywhere you see that weed trying to get its roots. And then those weeds will all be put into plastic bags and carted to the uh, trash dump. You can't compost it. It'll be taken to the dump. And we're very excited to, so creative, to offer huh? it. Now, if you I'm want sorry. to bet or, or back one of the two troops, you can go to the Tenafly Nature Center, and you can commit to supporting one troop or the other in their weed eradication project. And that would give them a lot of uh, a big moral boost. And that's the oh. TenafflyNatureCenter.org website. I will be finding that particular page that talks about that, and I'll be uh, um, sharing it. Um, and uh, that sounds incredibly creative. Who came up with that? <laughs> That's very, very creative. Well, we're, we're very fortunate that the director of the Tenafly Nature Center is uh, in Rotary, as is a parent of one of the scouts in the uh, Troop uh, ah. 86. So we were talking, and the Tenafly Nature Center, as many of these parks, 
has been completely overwhelmed with the use from the public that requires greater resources to fix the trails and supervise the visitors and the lack of their normal funding streams. They're normally out there every day teaching classes, um, getting donations, holding galas, all to raise money to feed the animals and to keep the trails nice. And those revenue streams, for the most part, have dried up, yet all the animals are still there. There is even more work than there usually is to maintain the the trail. So we wanted to help out. We wanted to work with the Boy Scouts because Rotary members, many of them are very concerned about going out in public. And Mm -hmm. the Boy Scouts were a little less concerned as long as they watched social distancing. So we are spreading the word on this, this project. And the Boy Scouts are providing the labor. And in the next phase, when we get the community in, and we are looking forward to giving them some kind of trophy to whichever team happens to win. So that's that is that's, that's going on this fall. We're probably going to have three to five weekends where we're looking to involve the community. That is fantastic. Have businesses uh, uh, come forth to give prizes? We haven't asked that yet. I mean, the, the okay. Rotary will probably give the prizes. Um, businesses, for the most part, are having a very tough year. Um, and much as they would like to help out the community, uh, this is a bad year for them. Um, but wow. we, I was talking about educational things. We do have one mm-hmm. last educational thing that might be okay. of interest to your listeners. We give out a scholarship or scholarships each year to the high school senior that exemplifies service to the community. And usually this is given to um, students that have shown a massive amount of service. Quite often, Tenafly Volunteer Ambulance Corps members who go through a uh, six-week training program where they're going out three nights a week and full-time on a Saturday or Sunday every other weekend to learn to be an EMT professional, or or, excuse me, volunteer, EMT volunteer. And then they put in a lot of time responding to calls, keeping the ambulance clean and stocked, and otherwise doing things that volunteer ambulance corps do. And we recognize that with a... Scholarship. Now, you don't have your community service does not have to be the volunteer ambulance corps. Um, we have firefighter, junior firefighters in town. There have been some service projects for the needy um, done through churches and synagogues that have applied. We're looking for significant community service to the community for our scholarship applicants. That is fantastic, and I remember uh, being involved in a couple of votes for uh, um, who would get the uh, scholarship uh, that year, and I remember the process was very stringent and was taken very seriously by uh, all the people who were participating. Yes, we get we get write-ups of, and not transcripts, but some of the academic information for each applicant, and they are pre-screened, 
and we might come up with two to, I think the most was seven qualified applicants, them around, everybody reads the applications, then we discuss them, and then we have a vote. And generally, we, we are able to come to some kind of cons- consensus on who should be the recipient each year. Occasionally, we split the, col- the scholarship. Um, but it's just another thing that we'd like, we do to show that we value education. So, so far we've seen tonight that our local uh, government, uh, our business community, and our service organizations uh, work together and apart in preserving, maintaining, and improving the health of our uh, community. And uh, I'm very fortunate, as I said before, to be living in uh, Tenafly. And uh, in Tenafly, those things seem to stand out more so than in other communities in which I lived. I think so. It's why I like living in Tenafly. We're very lucky. And alas, I love speaking with you. We've come to the end of our uh, conversation for today. Uh, Thank you, Christine, so very much for helping to launch uh, this show. You're going to be a frequent uh, guest. Uh, you're always so full of information and uh, insight. How can people find out more about the Tenafly Rotary and get involved and also the Rotary uh, globally? Um, our website is the Tenafly Rotary Club. We're also on Facebook with, again, Tenafly Rotary Club. Um, Rotary International, ri.org or I believe ri.org, rotaryinternational.org will definitely get you there. Um, Allows you to say that you're interested in Rotary, and they'll direct you to your local club. They'll give your your contact information to the local president. He'll contact you and invite you to what is now a Zoom meeting, but usually is a lunch or dinner meeting. Um, And you can find out what the Rotary is all about. And I I haven't uh, um, been that active lately, but I can vouch for the fact that when I was more active and when I can be um, active, I always have a great time. And I've never regretted uh, participating in a meeting, uh, whether it be in person or via Zoom. I have to say, Rotarians are a lot of fun. Yes. Anyway, thank (laughs) Thank you so much. My pleasure. And I look forward to having you again very soon. In addition to this uh, particular uh, uh, endeavor, uh, I will be relaunching Prosperity Quest because uh, fiscal security is important to the security of all of us and uh, our communities. Uh, So uh, uh, in one of your other hats, I'll be inviting you there. Okay. Well, thank you. Okay. Have a wonderful evening, Christine. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye. Um, Before we go to our last uh, segment, as I said, it's a nostalgia for me. I'm here back on CERN again, and our our optimal wellness shows will uh, continue on this channel. Uh, I found our old Voice of Olympus intro, and Voice of Olympus was the first uh, um, show I launched on CERN. So for nostalgia purposes and to transition, here is the intro to Voice of Olympus. Enter the realm of living myth. Voice of Olympus, hosted by Hercules Invictus and Athena Victory, 
celebrate the mythic impulses of ancient Greece and Rome, and they invite you to celebrate with them. Welcome to Voice of Olympus. And welcome back to Age of Heroes Optimal Wellness. This is the Tenafly Mayor's Wellness Campaign Edition, uh, something that uh, you'll be seeing more of in uh, the days to come. I'm champion of the Tenafly Mayor's Wellness Campaign, uh, and I'm going to need a lot of uh, wisdom and insight uh, to do a good job uh, with that. Um, while we're waiting for our next uh, guest, oh, here's our next guest. Awesome. Greetings and welcome, Shira Jason. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you for having me, Hercules. Well, thank you for uh, being here. And uh, thank you also for giving a different uh, uh, view of wellness in uh, Tenafly. We had on uh, before you uh, Councilperson Jeff Grossman. So he told us about what our local leadership is uh, doing for our wellness for the 2020 Summer Concert Series. Then we had a business person, Keith Gold, of uh, TeamMaker, showing how his enrichment programs continue to our wellness. Then we had Rotary President Christine Evron talking about how a local service organization, the Rotary, contributes to our wellness. And now you're going to tell us how uh, Leani uh, contributes to our wellness. But first, uh, you're new to the podcast, so I'd like to learn a little bit more about you. Can you tell us about uh, your journey to where you are now? Sure. So, um, well, first of all, my journey begins with um, kind of a passion for wellness. So that's kind of apropos to what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. and, Definitely. Um, I, and I started um, pretty much while I was an at-home mom. I, you know, did a lot of volunteer work in Tenafly. My husband grew up in Tenafly, and I've been, you know, we brought up our kids here. And um, I spent a good time of their, a good amount of time um, volunteering in their schools and um, doing, you know, just doing things for Tenafly, but also, you know, for the kids. And as I was in, um, while I was doing it, I always had in the back of my mind what I wanted to do when the volunteering ended. No, I don't mean the volunteer. I, I love volunteering, and I still do it. Uh -huh. But I mean so like what I. I'm going to do going forward, right, and, you know, after the kids don't need you anymore. So I, um, you know, I was thinking about it, and I started my journey with um, making natural skincare products. So the name of my company is Liani Naturals because the skin, the, the products are all, all natural. And um, I actually started to just, you know, give, um, give stuff to friends and family. And I got a good, you know, a very positive feedback on it. Uh -huh. So during my soul searching time, which is, it's like, very important now to think about for people because they kind of have time to soul search. Yeah. <laughs> Some people are, you know, you're home and maybe, you know, your job changed or maybe, um, 
you know, now's the time to um, make a change in your life. So um, that's kind of, you know, with um, what's happening in the world today, um, soul searching is a big word. Yes. So, so um, basically, um, there was a quote that I've gone by, and this is a quote that um, talk about soul searching. It's it's so funny how so much of finding yourself in adulthood is simply getting back to who you were and what you loved as a child. That's very so, true. Yeah. So um, I, you know, was thinking, you know, instead of going back into the corporate world, what can I do to help people? But what also can I do that's a passion that I can take forward for the next 50 years or 60 years? Depends how long I live. And then, and, um, and here it's, And here's how it basically happened. My daughter was at this camp that brought her to various places. And one Mm -hmm. of those places was a perfumery plant. And she came home, told me about it. And sometimes this is, you know, when you're thinking, what, what is your passion? Sometimes just a little incident will, you know, pike an interest. And I remembered as a little child, making my own skincare products and making perfume. And I remembered really being infatuated with smells and perfume. I loved scent. So, um, you know, I thought, okay, maybe I'll go down this road. And I did. And I, you know, as I said, I was making products for, um, you know, just, you know, making people, I actually just wanted to make them happy, you know, give them something fun that I made but it's all natural uh-huh. and, um, you know, see the reactions. And then, you know, I got very positive reactions. So my husband said, um, why don't you um, get certified in it if you're going to maybe think of selling it? And I said, all right, I'll look. And this was about 11 years ago. And I came upon a school in Portland, Oregon. Now, Oregon was very, um, you know, forward in aromatherapy before we were. You Mm -hmm. know, 11 years ago, a lot has happened, uh, you know, in all that time. Yes. And there was a college, and there is a college, and it's called American College of Healthcare Sciences, and they had a special certification just to make natural products. So it was like, ding, 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 here I go. So I started, and when I started learning, um, one of the things about natural um, natural um, substances is essential oils. And I, I knew a little bit about essential oils. I went to college in Amherst, and, you know, there were always um, those natural shops there, and I, I used to go in and I'd smell those essential oils. But I really, really never understood them at all. And then I really learned that there is a huge chemistry behind plant oils and a huge power behind them. And it, it's, um, it's a lot more. So aromatherapy, it's not just smelling candles. It's not, you know, making a room 
smell good before a, um, you know, an event. I mean, Uh it is. But the wellness part of it, when I learned how this could actually help you in various, um, you know, um, things that are going on in your body. I believe in Western medicine. I use Western medicine, but it's integrative. You know, you integrate holistic um, modules with um, Western medicine, and mm-hmm. it, it, it can really help. So aromatherapy now being during COVID times where everybody's stuck, talk about being stuck in your house, anxiety about jobs, and just maybe even um, some problems in that are manifesting right now in your bodies because maybe people are a little too sedentary, whatnot. Um, it's a, it's, it's, you're going to see it's going to be um, something that a lot of people will start um, being interested in. So my, I, I really want to just get the word out there about aromatherapy. I'm an educator in it. I'm uh-huh. a teacher in it as well. And just get get out the hokiness because if you don't understand how much chemistry is behind it, then there's, you know, there's a reputation that I kind of want to want people to, you know, get away from the um, witchery reputation because it's, you know, um, now, you know, holistic medicine is very, um, people are just understanding it. I work actually in a hospital too. And oh, wow. so that's how much, yeah. So that's how much the um, local hospital. So that's how much, you know, integrative medicine is being brought into, you know, and, and basically I'm there to help people with anxiety because there's so oh, much anxiety crazy. before you have any sort of test or you hear some bad news or you're there, you know, for cancer infusions and things like that. So, um, Three I, of our hosts, uh, um, talk, talk about essential oils. One of our uh, hosts uh, wrote a few books on essential oils. Uh, another one of our hosts uh, works in a hospital like you, and uh, she's part of their um, holistic uh, uh, efforts. Uh, and then another one of our hosts, uh, she uh, deals with the more esoteric uh, aspects. Um, and, uh, you know, for, for people who uh, are interested in that particular approach uh, to life, but they all think very highly of uh, essential oils. And during the process of getting to know them and what they do, I've, I've experimented with essential oils uh, uh, myself. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. I did that for about a year. Yeah, it's um, and the thing with essential oils too are they're very potent um, oils. They're they're not they're not to play with. So um, basically, as a consultant, as an aromatherapy consultant, and we'll get to CBD because they go hand in hand. As an yes. aromatherapy consultant, it's like I just want to teach people how to use it because. They they can be dangerous. I mean, not not dangerous. I mean, they're very potent. You could, um, you know, it could give you a headache if you inhale too much, or it, it can make you dizzy if you um, if 
you know, you're in a room without ventilation. There's, there's many different um, ways to use aromatherapy, all, um, you know, all, but all good ways to use them. But there's a lot of, a lot that people can learn when they um, want to go that, that route. So, yes. um, so back to, yeah, so back to aromatherapy when I was studying, and it took me many years because I did it class by class as I was an at-home mom. Um, we had to do many, many case studies. So this is why I um, really got into it. After natural product manufacturing, I wanted to, um, you know, get into aromatherapy because of the interest. And I did all these case studies on family and friends and all my classmates also had to do, so we had to do about 50 case, you know, studies. And then we learned everybody else's case studies too. And we had the professors interacted with us and, you know, told us the different oils that they would use or a different approach that they would use. So um, I really got into the nitty gritty of it. And after I got into that, I realized that it's very individual. So using an oil, so you said you've dabbled in it. Using it yeah. is very, everybody has different um, aromas that they actually resonate with. You know, like not everybody likes lavender. Lavender is huge. Everybody knows about lavender. They, it's in so many products in all the stores. And um, we actually use lavender in the hospital a lot. But there's a lot of people who can't stand the smell of lavender. So you have to know different oils to use besides lavender. Like I had to make somebody a product for sleep. And the one, lavender is a big um, oil that you use for sleep issues. But Uh she didn't want lavender. She hated lavender. So, you know, the first thing she said is, could you a blend that, you know, would help me with my sleep, but no lavender. So um, that's where, like, the background and the studying comes in. And um, I love just working with people because everybody has a story. And when when you're going through something, whether it's whatever kind of stress you're going through, whatever kind of anxiety, why you're not sleeping, there's many reasons why, and that's the therapy part of aroma therapy. You know, the aroma is the use of the essential oils, and the therapy is the part that you have to really um, talk it out and see what, you know, why, you know, why do you need, why, why, why do you want some, something to help you? And just a little example it would be, let's say somebody has a lot of anxiety and let's say with that anxiety they have a lot of headaches maybe and like Uh they might not even they might not even think that the headaches go along with the anxiety and then maybe they have palpitations and they might not realize that these palpitations are with their anxiety as well so like as a as a clinician I would sit and talk to somebody and really find out, okay, what else is going on in your body? And then what we do is we create these synergistic blends. Did you, um, did you have a blend when you 
did it or were you just using single oils? No, I was using single oils. What I did was I read Kat Young's uh, book on essential oils. And originally it started uh-huh. out as a, book, as a book review. I was sent the book uh, by Llewellyn to review. Uh, and uh-huh. I became interested in the topic. So I contacted uh, the author, the publicist, and uh, uh, I was talking to her the same way we're, we're talking now. And eventually she became like a repeat guest. And then uh, when I had more um, uh, e-radio time, you know, she became like a guest host and then a host. And now she has her own uh, show. Um, but uh, that made me interested. And uh, I went out and got a bunch of essential oils that resonated as I was reading the book. Um, and I also looked for things that I wanted to change or wanted to accomplish or wanted to improve and uh, bought some of those. And I, I, I bought one of the, uh, uh, the steaming devices too. I'm drawing a blank on what it's called. Nebulizer maybe. Diffuser. Or... Okay. Diffuser, Diffuser, yeah. yeah. Um, we ran into a problem right away because uh, my wife was very sensitive to the scents through the diffuser. And the scents tended to linger uh, in like the various areas in our house. So I had to come up with something different. So what I did, because some of the scents are very strong, is I would like pass the bottle uh, under my nose. And through experimentation, uh, I found a distance where I got the, the scent, but not any of like my sinuses hurting or anything like that. Uh, so after experimenting, I can have an experiment with different uh, scents. And for me, what I found was that the scents uh, that I was familiar with uh, due to my background, like, for instance, frankincense and chamomile, uh, they mm-hmm. evoke uh, memories and feelings right. that over time became more and more clear and powerful. Uh, and then I started asking myself, how can I, you know, uh, for myself, uh, use these, uh, these thoughts and feelings? So, for instance, with frankincense, uh, because my exercising is very uh, much tied into like uh, um, the bodybuilding of the 60s and the ancient statues of the Greeks and Romans, uh, frankincense um, brought up those uh, type of mer- memories because in, in my personal memory, they were linked to my childhood. Um, right. And- Chamomile brought up memories of uh, restfulness. Uh, chamomile was one of these panaceas uh, during the time of my childhood where anything that was wrong with you, uh, they would give you chamomile first. And then if right. the chamomile didn't work, they'd give you mountain sage uh, or fascomula, as it's called. Right. We're still uh, doing so that. that. <laughs> yes, and it right. brought up all those memories. And with the memories and the feelings uh, came uh, the the, the the memories beyond of well-being of being taken care of 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 healing and uh, no longer being sick right. so i found that th- that was the way for me personally uh that works so i've stuck with that and although i'm only like with two or three cents uh, right now um cinnamon chamomile and uh frankincense i find that for most of my needs they're, they're fine yeah well well essential oils have all these chemicals in them, chemical molecules, natural molecules, and they're called um, constituents. And basically one oil can do many, many, many things because these constituents in it have a lot of the antis, like anti-inflammatory, anti-depressant, um, um, analgesic. And, and you were right, Hercules. The, the reason why people need to connect with the oil and the reason why um, when I'm doing my one-on-one is um, because 
part of the healing is working psychologically and at the same time they're physiologically working so all those all those um as you're taking your waft of the smell you're getting the physical stuff is happening because the aroma travels up your olfactory bulb into your nose and then it gets to the amygdala and that's where like your emotions are and then it works its way to the hippocampus and that's where your memories are stored for later access and this process is why you know when you sit down as an aromatherapist you have to sit down because you have to have them smell these aromas there there has to be a little memory to it but that being said you can still benefit from aromatherapy and have anosmia which means you don't you can't smell anything believe it or not because they work so the, the chemical molecules work in your body and they go literally through your bloodstream you know that you don't even need to smell but it helps um, if you want some psychological um, help along with it, it helps to be able to smell. Just some people can't. Now, it's I really, love your perspective, um, and you bring something very new to the topic, at least uh, uh, on our program. So I am going to be inviting you back. Uh, today is your first time here, and I'd like you to share also some information about uh, your company uh, and Wellness Intensify and uh, CBD. Okay. So, um Quickly on CBD, um, because um, we are dealing with plants and plant oils, you know, all the time, it's just, um, it's almost kind of normal that we understand CBD. So CBD, if people who are listening don't know, that is, it's one of the chemical molecules in the cannabis plant. So, um the cannabis plant has many molecules, and they're called um, cannabinoids. And cannabinoids are, you know, just as we said, just like the constituents in uh, in essential oils, cannabinoids, um, there's like 80 to 100 cannabinoids in a cannabis plant. So that's why there's so much healing going on when people are using it. And um, I studied that as well. I'm certified in cannabis, but I pretty much work with CBD. Um, we're in New Jersey, and it's um, a very low level of THC, so I don't work with THC right now. It, may, it uh-huh. has like 0.3% on it, but um, the CBD does, it, it, it does wonders. Um, and so our bodies just like the digestive system or the immune system, our bodies have a system and it's called the endocannabinoid system. And so what cannabis, and as I said, we're talking about the oil now, what the CBD oil does is if ingested the correct way, um, it goes to the different parts of your endocannabinoid system, which is, throughout your entire body and it finds the places it's kind of, it's called like a lock and key system. It finds the places where it's needed. So let's say you're having trouble sleeping, but your spouse has arthritis. 
you can both be taking a similar dose of CBD and it's working in different ways. It's like, a, it's amazing actually how um, these little um, molecules, you know, find each other in the, your central nervous system. And um, so the only thing is it's very um, individualized. So mm-hmm. CBD, you can't, you can't take it like you can't say to um, somebody, take two drops and call me in the morning and let me know how it went. It's the kind of thing that you have to start slow and low. And there's a whole method. And not everybody understands that method. So that's why I'm out there. I just want to educate and let, you know, it's, it's something that works. And it's something that is not bad for you. And a lot of people need it. And a lot of people, I mean, I've actually had people ask me for um, use on their dogs. You know, there's a lot oh, wow. of, it's just, it, it's a, it's a oil that just has so many great attributes and, um, you know, I can really, I'm just, I just want to be here and I'm, I live in Tenafly. I'm very, um, easy to access my website and I answer emails very well and I can work with people and especially during these um, pandemic COVID times where I used to go to people's houses and sit there with them and explain. I can do it over a telephone now. I can do it over a computer and I'm, I can do it over email back and forth of how to actually use it and use it properly. So all the, you know, all this essential oils, CBD, they're potent, but they're great oils and used properly. They do um, terrific, wonderful things. Um, so my, the name of my company is, mm-hmm. I think it's on your um, podcast website, but it's yeah. called Liani, L-E-I-A-N-I, natural.com. That's my website. And um, also to email me if anybody has any questions or just wants to, you know, move forward with having some consulting, it's info at lianinatural.com. Um, so do you have any other questions or? No, that, that's awesome. And it's an awesome introduction and there's a lot we could have, but we didn't go into because of time today. So I will be having you back uh, in the very uh, near future. Um, have you thought of giving like informational um, sessions to different groups like the Rotary or oh, the yeah, Library? Oh, yeah, I used to do or... that all the time pre-COVID. Yeah, that was something that's something I love to do and something that, um, you know, I do just, you know, for out of the goodness of my heart. I love I love what I do and I um, love to educate. And you're so, very fortunate that you went back and uh, uh, found your passion and your purpose and did something with it. And uh, that's something we devote a lot of shows to, by the way, because <laughs> everybody takes yeah, that that's what, that's, life and death. That's what, um, you know, I, I actually went and listened to some of your, the shows and. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's, yeah. And um, I'm, I'm really happy that, you're heading this wellness committee, and I'm really happy to be a part of it. 
and I'm greatly honored that you are. And um, I look forward to learning more from you and uh, uh, learning more about uh, the wonderful things uh, that you're doing. And uh, I wish you the greatest success in everything. Thank you to you as well. And to all our listeners. Indeed. And uh, thank you to our listeners as well. Um, And uh, we heard from a lot of awesome uh, people uh, today. And although our show was focused uh, primarily on uh, Tenafly, all of the things that were spoken of are probably happening in your community as well. Uh, So um, look in your local newspapers, uh, look on the Internet and start tapping into all the wonderful resources and all the wonderful people providing uh, wellness services in your community. And this is really a, a grand adventure, and uh, it, it, it enhances your life. You know, whatever you find, it'll be something that is unique to you. And uh, I firmly believe, as I say time and again, that your gift is your uniqueness, and that is the key uh, to your passion and your purpose in the world. Until next time, this is Hercules and um, Shira wishing you joyous journeys and amazing adventures. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And since I'm, uh, I'm back on CERN, uh, I'm going to play another piece of CERN nostalgia, the Pride of Olympus outro in closing the show. Olympian blessings to all who have joined us on our adventure. Now, go forth and create a better world. One filled with light and love. On behalf of the Pride of Olympus and her crew, may your journeys be joyous.